Wow. I didn't know this was Easter. It feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like it's Easter already. And I just, you may be seated. Uh, this, this was our worship uh, team up here, these young people that lead worship down the hallway. Uh, every weekend for our kids down the other end of the building. There's not enough room, as you can tell, in the other end of the building. Uh, there are so many students. And you can see why so many servants are needed. Uh, it takes a lot of servants. Uh, because can I just say something? You people are fruitful. <laughs> I mean, you took, the Bible said be fruitful and multiply. You said, okay. <laughs> you know, so you've done that. So uh, thank you for trusting us with your kids. And uh, we love them. I mean, we, we really, really do. So online, whether you're online or whether you're down there in the sanctuary or down at True Word, is there any joy in the house today? I want to hear, is there any joy in the house today? Yeah, I can sense that. I can tell. There's a lot, and it's not even Easter yet. You can imagine what next week is going to be like, so you don't want to miss it, okay? I'm promising you don't want to miss it. Uh, I catch my breath here. I'm a little overwhelmed when I saw my granddaughter uh, in that. Uh, it's the first time. Uh, okay, just saying, just saying. Okay, uh, I, I am humbled this morning. I'm feeling a little unworthy. I don't mind saying this in teaching uh, because we're going to talk about something this morning that I think is probably the most powerful 12 words in the Bible. Uh, it's the most powerful prayer that's ever been prayed, and I really sincerely don't feel worthy uh, to even get to speak it or to do this this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about a prayer. It's a short prayer. It's not a long prayer. It's not a Guinness Book of World Record prayers. <laughs> it's only 12 words. And this prayer has 12 words in it, and nine of the words have single syllables. It's really not a very big prayer. But when this prayer is prayed, I mean sincerely prayed, uh, between a couple, by an individual, it has the potential of radically changing your life. Now, we're good. it's in the Bible, but I'm going to put it on the screen so you don't have to find it. We're all going to say it together. It's from Luke 23, verse 34. And here it is. Please read it with me. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed. When these bloodthirsty executioners were sledgehammering spikes into his hands and his feet, their very next act was to play poker. For the right to own the robe, they just stripped off his body when they left him naked. Just before they beat him and broke him. These executioners, they were not choir boys. They were not model citizens with an hourly paying job. These guys were so filled with anger, so filled with rage and violence that the only job the Romans could find for them in their army was to be cold-hearted crucifiers. 
to be legal professional murderers. And they love their job. Oh, they love their job. And while they're doing their job, sledgehammering spikes into hands and feet, Jesus takes his eyes toward heaven and on their behalf prays that never-to-be-forgotten 12-word prayer. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Now, I'm about to deliver what I think is the most important point of the whole message. It's coming early. It's coming fast. It's coming right now. I'm saying it that overtly. I do not want anyone to miss it. Here's the whole point of the whole thing. Message point number one. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by how they pray when they have been wronged. It's like there's a window that happens on your chest and someone gets to look into your soul and you reveal who you really are at the core. Now, if I was to ask for a show of hands, whether you're online traveling, you're in the hospital, or, or those I'm, I'm trying to connect with those there, or in the sanctuary, or, or down at True Worth downtown, if I was to ask you, okay, everybody who's been wrong, raise your hand. Every single person would raise their hand saying, I have been wronged. We live in a world of wrongdoers. I'm one. I'm a wrongdoer. Some of you came to church this morning with someone that you think you would call them a serial wrongdoer. Because you're always catching on pointing out everything is wrong. We've all been wrong. Dallas and I were in Washington, D.C. before Christmas on the tail end of her birthday trip. It was a one night, one night time in Washington, D.C. Uh, we got to we stayed in this historic hotel right across from the White House. We went to go see the Christmas tree, the national tree for her birthday. She wanted to see it. And this is a photo from our room that I took from our hotel room. And it was just a fabulous view. I mean, we're just right there next to the White House. It was just fabulous. And we had to get up early the next morning to leave. And I thought it would be a good idea before we got out of there to have some coffee. You know, just uh, celebrating her birthday. Sure, I can get my wife coffee. And so I just called down to room service when we went to bed and said, hey, I'd like coffee. And they said, oh, for two. I said, okay, great. And they said, hey, would you like a little muffin? I mean, we're gonna, we got a little blueberry muffin. I said, sure, bring the blueberry muffins each for you. So they bring that. It, it arrives early in the morning. Knock on the door. I see a room service. And I'm about to sign the bill. And before I sign the bill, before I sign it, I, for whatever reason, why don't I see what it, how much it costs? And so... Washington, D.C., <laughs> two little cups of coffee, blueberry muffins so small, smaller than your contact. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them how much you think that costs. How much do you think it costs? How much do you think it costs? Cost? <laughs> Before the tip, $50.60, we got mugged <laughs> in broad daylight. We were wronged. It's wrong. Now we've all been wronged. Every single one of us. In the three decades that you have allowed me to serve here as your senior pastor, 
Uh, I have heard many of you describe how wrong you have been. I'm not going to betray any confidence. Some of you guys got nervous real quick like. I'm not going to betray any confidences, okay? I'm not going to do that. But what you need to know is that over the years, I've had to develop a way in my mind of kind of identifying relatively how your wrongs are different, how your wrong was different than your wrong, and your wrong, and how, because there's all different kinds of wrongs. So I had these three categories. And these three categories that I have in my mind help me know how to respond to you when it's my time to respond, to help me know how to give you counsel if you're asking for counsel, and also to know how to help you learn how to pray. And so you're you, you stop me after worship, or somebody stops me in the parking lot. Uh, sometimes somebody stops me in the community, and they go, hey, you're a pastor. Uh, you need to care about things like me being wronged. And so you come up to me, and you start telling me how you've been wronged. And you tell me who did it, what they did, where it happened, when it happened, time of day, time of night, how frequent, how you felt. And while you're doing that, I'm processing and I'm praying, Father, would you please Give me the wisdom, the discernment uh, to know how to respond uh, when the time comes to respond. I mean, I care about this person. I want to respond in, in the right way. And so I offer that little prayer while I'm listening to you. And really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking at your facial expressions. I'm noticing your body language. I'm noticing the nonverbal cues that are going on all the time, trying to process to kind of put in the right category, clear in my mind, so I give you the right counsel and teach you the right way sort of pray. And so often, I mean really often, in this experience, very quickly I go, oh, that's category one. Category one. Category one. And category one, I want to call, in your message, call a speed bump. A category one is a speed bump. That's all it is, a speed bump. It's a speed bump. So, you know, you, someone's having a category one, and you come to me, it's a little speed bump, and you're going on and on and on and on and on and on and describing how wronged you have been. Now, while you're doing that, I'm getting ready to say a word. And this is a word that I use probably in every one of the categories, but I use it differently depending on the category. Some of you have heard this word more than once. You know exactly what you're, oh yeah, I've heard that before. You've heard the word. And, and so, so you're, you're talking, and the, here, here's the word. I'll go ahead and tell you. And when I wait for the right moment where I can interrupt and kind of, because you're going on and on and on and on and on, how wrong you've been, on and on. And at the right point, with all the sarcasm that I can muster, category one, I'll go, really? I learned this little trait when I was a youth pastor years ago. I mean, many years ago when I was working with young people. And a high school student would come up to me and they would say, Rick. And then they would start complaining about how they've been wronged by their parents. My parents have ruined my life. They are so terrible. They are so awful. Blah, 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 blah. My life's never going to be the same. They're the worst parents in the world. I hate my parents. Blah, 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 blah. Going on and I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. And at the right moment, I go, Really? You were caught going 60 in a 25 an hour after curfew. And your parents grounded you. And you think you've been wronged. Really? Really? With all the evil going on in the world, this is your big cry to God and to life that you've been wronged. 
you got to be kidding me. The young wife, young wife. Oh, pastor, my husband has so wronged me. Crocodile tears just coming down my eyes. My, my husband, well, tell me, how did your husband wrong you? Well, we both agreed we were going to have a little basketball party of watching the basketball tournament. And we agreed we were going to invite three couples to come over. But six showed up. He invited six, and they all came. So I didn't have enough food. We ran out of food before the end of the night. And I was just so embarrassed. I was just so wrong. I am so mad at him. And I go, Really? You're going to make him sleep on the couch for that. You're not going to talk to him for two days because of that. You're going to file because of that. All the stuff in the world, and that's what sets you off. Really? I'll just be honest with you. I know as older I get, I just think I'm losing my patience. <laughs> I'm just confessing. I'm just telling you. I'm just kind of losing it. I might be. It, it could be me. It may not be. It could be me. But, but, but when serious followers of Jesus Christ, and you say, hey, I'm a serious follower of Jesus. With all the emotion builds up, and you get so bent out of shame, and you go, ah, ah, so-and-so said such and such about this and this and that and so forth, and I was just so wronged. I try to be a good pastor. I try to listen. I try to have compassion, but sometimes I just feel like Popeye. I've heard all I can stand, and I can't stand so more. Really? Really, that's what's going to get you all tied up in a while. Really. Really. Now, I want to read a verse from the Bible. This is where all this is headed. And you've heard this first many times. Some of you had it at your wedding. Big whooping deal. You didn't mean it. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians Verses 4 and 5. It says, love is patient. It says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Here it comes. It is not, what does it say? Not what? Easily angered. Some of your Bibles say not easily offended. Not easily provoked. Not easily wronged over speed bumps, over child's play, over minor little irritations that amount to nothing. Now, here's the whole idea. That if you're a serious follower of Jesus Christ, you live under the ever-flowing fountain of the rich, pure love and grace of God. It's just pouring, 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 pouring out onto you. And if you wake up every morning, and before you walk out the door or you say a word to another human being in your house, if you fill up the bucket of your heart under that fountain... with the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God on the cross, and you fill it up when the minor irritations of life come, and they will come. 
when the normal friction between family and friendships happen, and it will happen, when everyday unfairness occurs, and it will occur, you'll have more than enough loving grace in your heart, enough mercy, enough kindness to go, eh, speed bump. Easily go over it, quick to forget, move on, no big deal. In your notes, everyday grace easily overcomes everyday speed bumps. Not easily angered, provoked, wronged, offended. So we're traveling with some friends, and uh, one of the friends is kind of ripping me in the car before we get to the hotel. He says, hey, Rick, uh, I got an upgraded room. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, we don't. We just got a regular room. I got an upgraded room. He said, you come up to our room, you can probably run laps. It's so big. We got a view that's so spectacular. You could probably come up. Hey, listen, if you, if you behave well, I'll let you come up out of your cracker box and come see our upgraded room. I mean, just it was all in fun. It was just fun. It was just fun. You know, it was just fun. Kind of ribbon me. It's so we get there. And they check in before us, and he says, uh, hey, I, my, I think I asked for an upgraded room. Oh, oh I'm sorry, uh, mister, but uh, your upgraded room was given to somebody else. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to stand back and watch. And man, he just blew me away. He said, ah, no problem. No big deal. Speed bump. First world problem. Just give us a room. That's okay. You can't fake that. Because when someone does something the opposite of what you're expecting, and they say something that offends you, or the, the way of life doesn't turn out the way you want, the condition of your heart is revealed. And whatever in your heart, it comes out. And if it's full of grace, and it's full of kindness, and it's full of forgiveness, and full of mercy, it's going to come out. But if it's not in there, now this is not the pot calling the kettle black. My wife is in this worship time. She's in the sanctuary. Hi, babe. I'm glad you're there, not in here. <laughs> and I got some friends in this room who know me pretty well. And uh, so I got to say, you know, there have been some times uh, where the bucket of my heart has not been filled appropriately. And a little bitty tiny thing has come along. And I made it a big mountain molehill. I let a little irritation become a major thing. And... Uh, and the Holy Spirit goes, really, Rick? Really? You're going to act like that over this? Really? It's just a speed bump. <laughs> and when that happens, I modify that little 12-word prayer. And I say, Father, forgive me. 
Sometimes I just don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm your son. You have forgiven me. You died on the cross for me. I've been redeemed. You've given me the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've given me spiritual gifts. You've blessed me to be the pastor of an incredible, fantastic church. I get to do this. I don't have to. I get to. I've been given a family that's just an incredible family that love me deeply, and I love them deeply, and I have my health. I have a future. Heaven's waiting for me. And God, I'm getting all bent out of shape and getting my underwear all tied up in a wad, if you know what I'm saying, over a little bitty speed bump and pounding and but Father, forgive me. Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to ask for show of hands. Just honest. Am I the only one? And if you're like me, before you leave here this morning, before you leave the sanctuary, true word, before you chill out online, you're going to say, Father, forgive me. Sometimes I just don't know what I'm doing. I am your son. I am your daughter. Uh, you have forgiven me. I've lost the plot. Use me. Use me. Use me in this family. Use me in these things. Use me. And maybe you're going to follow it up with a commitment. All right, God, tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow, God, when I get up, I'm not going to walk out until I fill up the bucket of my heart with your pure, rich, incredible, unadulterated, perfect grace. So much so, so that when stuff happens, and I know it's going to happen, I can just go speed bump. No biggie. Forgive and just move on. Just, and you're going to do that. Now, I've got a lot more material because when I look out here and I see a bunch of people that I know, and you told me a lot of stories, I can keep going on. There's lots of stories I can tell unless you've already got the point, and I'll just move on. Do I, do I need to linger here or move on? Some of you are getting nervous right now, aren't you? Yeah, you're getting really nervous because I'm going to, oh, you got to tell my story. I'll move on. I think that's what you want me to do. I'll just move on. But I want to make sure you got the point. Category two. Category two, unfortunately, is something we all experience. Uh, we live in a world full of wrongdoing. And this stuff happens. Somebody comes up to me and they say, uh, Pastor, uh, I've been wrestling with something for a long time in my life. It's a private matter. I'm not proud of it. In fact, I'm embarrassed about it. But I've really been wrestling. I finally got the courage to tell a trusted friend and uh, when I got finished, I said, man, please don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He said, I won't. Don't tell anybody. I won't. Within 24 hours, our whole small group knew. Some colleagues at work knew. And I feel so embarrassed now that people know about this thing that I've been embarrassed. And now they, they're talking about it, and I feel so wronged. Now, he's talking. I'm thinking, oh, this is category two. Quickly. I'm, I know. It's category two. And category two is not a minor irritation in your nose. It's a painful betrayal. 
where there's some sort of consequences that are going to be in order, probably of some kind. And I'm just, oh my goodness, and I, and I go, oh really, oh no, really? That shouldn't have happened. No, that's not right. That brother shouldn't have done that. He made a promise. He broke a promise. Yeah, there's going to be some consequences. Yeah, yep. Man, that's just not right. And uh, usually then I got to talk him down from going to kill the guy. I didn't want to kill that guy. I go, no, no, you want to do that? And eventually they say, well, pastor, what should I do? He wronged me. There's got to be justice. And I'll say, well, you know, uh, I got an idea. Well, what's your idea? Well, uh, I don't want to bring up Jesus all the time. But <laughs> Jesus one time was really being wronged. I mean, really wronged. And he said these 12 little words, uh, Father, forgive them. Right what they were doing, Father, forgive them. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. He said, <laughs> I'm not forgiving that creep. <laughs> they don't deserve it. Are you kidding me? Nobody does that. Okay. And then sometimes a little bit later they'll come back to me and go, well, you know, hey, what would that look like to really do? What, what would that look like? And if they ask me that question, I want to show them three verses in three minutes. Just three verses in three minutes. It'd probably take me about five. I'm going to give them to you really quick. Blank scenario missing. I mean, just real quickly, just real quickly. And this is from Matthew chapter 18. Just one verse right there in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, if you've got this conflict between two people, you've got a relational rift, he says, for, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. They may put it on the screen some. If your brother, you have this thing between you, it says, number one, you go or I go. Here's what you're going to write down. I go. You don't sit around and go, well, listen, they wronged me. I'm going to wait for them to call. I'm going to wait for them. He says, no, you go. Number one, letter B, you go in private. I go in private. He said, just between the two of you. You don't gather all your friends up. Hey, listen, you know Joe, he really blew it. He told everybody about this. and you, you should, I'm going to go talk to him, but I want you to know about it so you can be praying about it when I go. No, you don't want them praying. You just want them to know. Don't get on Facebook. Don't get on social media and tell everybody how you've been wronged. Keep it between the two of you, he says. Go. You go. Don't wait on them. You go. You go in private. You go in private with a reconciling, let us see, reconciling spirit. I know some of you go, and you go to get a pound of flesh. You go to let them have it. You go to cuss them out, to let the blood fly, to let them know how bad they hurt you, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You want to let them know you've been wrong. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that's okay. Nowhere. This is how that works. Serious followers of Jesus. You go. You go in private. And you go, hey, listen, uh, let's admit it. You and I have been friends for a long time. We've been married for a long time. You've been my brother, my sister for a long time. Uh, we got an issue between us. We both know it. I'd like to talk about it because I'd like for our friendship to make it. I'd like for our marriage to make it. And I'm thinking if we talk, 
I'm thinking if we talk, maybe, maybe that can happen. Are you willing to talk? No blame, no accusations, no letting them have it. And 90% of the time, if, that, if you do that, you can work it out. You can. You can. And the scripture gives help. If that doesn't work, go in the very next verse. It says, both of you find a trusted friend. Find a trusted friend to bring in the conversation. Maybe even an elder of the church. But that's what you do. So that's how you do it. The question is, when do you do it? Well, Jesus even taught, here's when you do it. Over in Matthew chapter 5, this incredible little story in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, hey, listen, if you're in worship, verse 23, you're in worship, and man, it's packed. The kids are walking up and down the aisles. I mean, you can't move. The music is moving. God is moving. And some the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, ah, you got a little rift between you and that person. When, when do you go to them with the reconciling spirit? When do you do it? Ten days? Five days? What does the scripture say? Here's what it says right here in this little verse. It says, if you're in worship and you're in the middle of the aisle, you get up, crawl over 10 people, and you go right now. That's what the Bible says. Because that relationship is more important than you staying and singing a bunch of songs and hearing a guy talk. You go now. I was teaching this years ago to a youth, a bunch of youth, 250 of them, junior high and senior high. And I'm teaching with the same amount of passion and direction. And I get to this point, about a third of them get up and they leave. And I go, hey, I'm offended. I'm not finished yet. Speed bump. Ah! And all of a sudden, I hear some counselors start clapping. And sometimes at church camp, kids can get a little drama. Sometimes they leave for camp. They leave drama at home with the mom and dad. A third of those kids went to go out there to go reconcile with each other, call their parents and say, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. They started clapping for them. The group started clapping for them. Somebody in a minute is going to get to go to the bathroom. We're all going to start clapping for you. Well, they, oh, they're going to go. They're going to go make it right. And you're just going to the bathroom. Some of you need to get up and leave. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. That before you leave this building, you say something to some, hey, uh, I want to work this out. This relationship matters. That what if they don't want to? Romans 12, 18 gives us one more verse. It says this, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everybody. As far as it depends on you, you do what the Bible says. You do what God's word says with the reconciling spirit. And if they won't respond, they want to hold on to their grudge and be mad. Okay, you just walk away and you just move. The scripture gives you freedom. And Category three. Going to do this quickly. Category three. Fortunately, very few of you who can hear my voice or can see me wherever you are are going to have this happen to you. And category three is a, what I want to call a life-shattering uh, injustice. It's an unthinkable wrong. 
unthinkable wrong. We're going to put three photos on the screen. Three men in this church who were all murdered. Joy Cushman, police officer, worked with our kids. Rookie of the year in Arlington. Chris Seekers in the middle. Worked with our kids. You just saw walking up and down. He used to do that. Lauren Aarons, one of the Dallas Five police officer on duty, protecting people to protest against police, killed by a sniper, all three of them, killed, all their families are members of this church, they still worship here, Vicki Ravolo. She's driving her car, minding her own business, not knowing. In just a few moments, Category 3 is about to hit her in the face. On the other side of the highway, a group of teenagers, Joy riding. One reaches in, finds a 20-pound turkey, lobs it, goes on the other side of the road, hits on Vicky's windshield, smashes every bone in her face in the wreck, every single bone in her face, every single bone fractured. Paramedics keep her alive at the scene. She lives. After many surgeries, therapy, lives a pretty decent life. But she finds the strength and the courage to show up at the trial, the sentencing phase, of the young man who lobbed the turkey. And she got permission to address him. So Vicki Rabolo, with a steady voice, she looks at the young man who ruined and wronged her life in many ways, and she says, Ryan, I do not have enough room in my heart for vengeance. I've asked the judge to be lenient on you. And if you mature and grow up to be a responsible, honorable, compassionate young man, a man that your parents would be proud of, I will be satisfied, and my pain, my suffering, will not have been in vain. In the courtroom, in public, she says, Father, forgive him. He did not know what he was doing. The young man, so overwhelmed by her kindness, just started crying and sobbing in remorse. I mean, just break down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was stupid, it was stupid. I know, it was stupid. I'm so sorry, I'm so, I mean, just, it was so genuine and real. And the judge was so moved by the exchange there. Only got six months instead of 25 years in prison. I mean, you talk about grace. Vicki lived for many years, but she died just three weeks ago at the age of 59 of a totally different cause. And if you were to go find her website, her Facebook page, it only has three words. Forgive someone today. That's all it says. In your notes, last thing, radical forgiveness. It's a, a choice of a transformed heart. It's a powerful choice. It's powerful, but it's a choice. It takes people's breath away. 
Because who does that? I mean, the human heart, I want them to pay. I want them to get justice, revenge. What kind of heart does that? It's a heart that's been transformed by the hands and feet of a man that were driven with spikes to the cross. And while they were driving it, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's a heart that just kind of sits under the bucket of the cross and the love and the grace of Christ just pours in the bucket of your heart every day. It just fills up your heart with the grace and the love and you understand how forgiven you are in your life and it gets so full and so full and so full and so full. It's a heart that reads the word of God every morning and you see what the word says about bitterness, what the word says about revenge as a cancer. And when you read the word of God and your bucket's filled by what comes off that cross, you have only one option. It's only one. There's only one option. It's only one. Father, forgive them. That's it. So I'm out in the community and this woman comes and she falls into my arms and she tells me the story of her daughter who was only daughter, drunk driver, Category three, quickly, category three. I said, no, 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 really, no, no, no. And I just wrap my arms around her. She, she melts into my arms, and I'm holding her, and she, oh, no. And she's crying. That shouldn't be. And I pray over her, and we kind of spend some time together. And it's just her only daughter, drunk driver, boom. And there's going to come a day where she's got to deal with that drunk driver. And she comes to me and asks me, what do I do? What do I do? So there's only one thing you can do. Not six. Not two, one. And that's to utter a little 12 word prayer until you mean it. Father, forgive them. Didn't know what he was doing. Now, church, we're getting ready to give you just a few minutes here. I know what the time is, but I think we got some business before you walk out of this room. Here's what we're about to do I'm going to give you some time to kind of figure out where you are, what category, and what business you need to do. We're wrapping up this series now. I want to give you just a moment or two, just, just a moment or two to be with God, okay? That's all we're going to do. And some of you are category one people, and one more time, would you please just allow me to say this with love in my heart? Really? You're going to get bent out of shape and pout and not talk and hold this little guilt over somebody's head, over speed bumps, with all the stuff in the world. Really? Really? And if this is you, you need to pray, maybe before you leave, Father, forgive me. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you need to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, I've been acting like the south plumb part of a northbound mule. That's on me. I'm sorry. Some of you are category two. You've been wronged. I mean, someone's really wronged you. Consequences. You have justifiable in your anger. And before the sun sets, before the sun sets, you're going to go to them in private. a reconciling spirit, not for a pound of flesh. So before you leave, you need to pray, God, oh, 
give me the strength and the power to go with the reconciling spirit. And there are some of you, you're category three. And I'm learning there's more than I realize. And there's somebody, you have been, life, your life's been shattered. And you're saying, I'm never going to forgive them. Never. Never. Really? I want you to look in the eyes of these people on the screen. Uh, this is Jim and Jerry Cushman. And their son, Joey, murdered Arlington PD. Stephen Cher Sequist. Their son, Chris, murdered. Katrina Aarons. Daughter, Sorcia, son, Magnus. Husband, dad. Assassinated. They've all uttered that prayer. And you're telling me that you can't and you're not? They've been set free. They're living their lives. to give you a moment. Just what do you need to do here? I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the Lord. I lift my eyes up. From the Lord. I'm invite you to stand if you can. Sanctuary stand, true worst stand, ark stand, just stand. We're closing out this whole series. We started with, with Moses, like a 17-month-old baby, just ripped his hands to God saying, God, I need your help. I can't do this by myself, God. This is too big for some of you right now. That's what you need to do. We're going to sing this song just a little bit more, just a little bit. Just maybe you need to lift your hands up and ask for help. Forgiveness is hard. Come on, Andrew. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the Lord. Comes to you, Lord. I lift my eyes up. coming. 
But God, we pray you would give us the grace, so much grace that we can forgive others. So we come back next weekend on Easter. We are free to really celebrate the power of the resurrection we've experienced in our lives. And all God's people said, amen, amen. See you next weekend. Bye, somebody. We'll see you next weekend.